going on, guys? Welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. It is February 6th, right around 9 o'clock at night. You got that um, Toronto-Ottawa game going on. What's the other game going on right now? It's uh, Boston. Uh, New, New York and Boston. Boston. New York yeah. and Boston. So maybe we'll do some updates in between, but uh, looks like Toronto's running away with it. And uh, Well, not right really. What is three? It's 4-2, but they put on three goals in the last how many minutes? It's true. Three unanswered. But anyway, guys, so... Uh, real quick, we're just going to get through the injuries, a couple big ones that happened. Then we're going to get into this second half stuff that we want to talk about, like bounce backs. Uh, if there's guys you should be targeting when it comes to your playoffs and stuff like that, maximizing the amount of games you can get, uh, which like bigger end guys. You already made a move for Jack Eichel. That's a big one. Buffalo playing five times in our. I feel, uh, I feel like it's going to pay off, man. But uh, yeah, we want to talk about second half bounce backs, second half regression or possible regression. Just start some playoff planning if you're going to make it, or if uh, if you're on the outside looking in like me. I actually I, I got a I got a little pull for you here. Okay. One of my pet peeves when you're in the playoffs is when people in the league that aren't in the playoffs anymore or never were still pick up players from the waiver wire. Well, is that, is that does that bother just me? All right. So in our league, if you win the losers bracket, you get first overall pick next year. So it makes sense to stay competitive. I'm about to just not make the playoffs on purpose and just win so the losers first. bracket just so I can get first pick next year. Wow, with three keepers, well, you're looking at a fourth round pick overall. Pretty play much. play the fucking long game. All right, the injuries. Uh, you might have seen it on Monday. Alex Edler went down really hard in the game against Philly. He got a stick caught in Vorchek skate, went down face first. There was a ton of blood. Uh, stretcher came out. Apparently, he's okay. He was seen walking on his own, street clothes, after the game. And from what I'm hearing, nothing's broken. Just got a few stitches, and he's dealing with a concussion right now. He wasn't moving after he went down. It took a few seconds. You got Ben Hutton right now on the power play one as their quarterback right now. Hopefully, Adler comes back pretty soon. I'm an Adler owner. Going to miss the guy. You you have been missing the guy. He's what? He, he just came back. Games in? Yeah, he just came back. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of what you expect with Alex Adler. He's kind of like... Uh, Chris Letang or out of getting Malkin or Taylor Hall. Except not as good. Except not as good and just okay. injury prone. Miko Koivu, news came out today. He tore his meniscus, his ACL, and is going to be out for the season. He was seen leaving Tuesday's game against Buffalo on crutches as his knee contacted Tage Thompson. And that was in the first period. So he didn't return. So a spot on the second line and second power play are going to open up. Right now, it looks like Charlie Coyle is going to be your second line center. Joel Erickson Eck gets the call up to fill the depth. Not good losing your number one two way center, uh, especially when you're in the midst of a playoff hunt. That shit, sis. That sucks. Dustin Bufflin is slated to uh, come back tomorrow, Thursday, against whoever they play. Well done. Against Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I had to look it up. Um, how much you got to say about these trades? Brian Boyle to Nashville, Cody McLeod to Nashville. Brian Boyle to Nashville is a nothing trade as far as yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, that's fourth line depth. I mean, Zach yeah. Ronaldo just went out and I think they just want a new Zach Ronaldo. And that's exactly why they went out and got Cody McLeod too. But if you look at the theme. Cody McLeod, Cody McLeod, Cody McLeod. If you look at the theme. You remember that Brian guy? Boyle, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that was a. Colorado. Yeah, that was Colorado Broadcast. guy. Yeah, yeah. this Colorado guy. So they picked up, or, well, they traded for uh, Brian Boyle, and then they go out and get fucking Cody McLeod, literally the worst skater in the NHL. He is the bottom ranked skater, less effective than Yori Laterra. 
Just he's not out there to skate, man. Right. So he's just a fighter and literally only a fighter. But if you look at the theme, they're going, you know, six foot 12, Brian Boyle. They're going Cody McLeod. They're going big, strong. And I, I know Brian Boyle has more of a, well, he has some offense to him rather than Cody McLeod. But hey, man, Wayne Simmons for Ellie Tolvanen. It's going to happen. I hope not. What? Ellie Tolvanen no. is supposed to be awesome. I know, but I, Wayne Simmons has been my guy. You want to give him six, seven million for the next five, six years? Simmons? I don't know. Yeah. I like no. Simmons, dude. I'll be he's all right. not. He's not worth that much. I agree. But it's what they say is like Nathan McKinnon money. He's owed that money because he was so underpaid for the last few years that he like he deserves it. Yeah, I get it. You deserve it, but like get it somewhere else. It's just a bunch of nothing to me. Yeah. To be uh, honest with you, uh, it's just okay. So they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna go even bigger than we were before." And I don't know. I guess for the playoffs, it's a much more physical brand, but it seems like they're moving backwards. I, I can't think of any GM in his right mind thinking, "You know, what we need to win a Stanley Cup. It's Cody McLeod." All right, let's jump straight into this second half stuff. We're gonna start with the bounce backs. This is one of your boys, Shane Gostisbehere. So as of right now, Ghost is on pace for 34 points. I think he had like 33 power play points last year. Uh, Also on pace for 200 shots. He's shooting at a meager 4.2%. In comparison to last year, he was only shooting at 5.9 last year, but he was able to manage 25 to 30 more shots than he's on pace for this year. Uh, End of the year with 13 goals, 52 assists for 65 points all day. He's looking at cutting that in half. Uh, Philly's power play is obviously... um, you know, going to drive a lot of this. Uh, they took a huge dive this year compared to last where Ghost had those th- 33 power play points. And this year he's on pace for less than half of that. He's only on pace for 15 power play points. Last year, Philly's power play was ranked 15th, converting on almost 21% of their power plays. This year, they're 23rd, converting on almost 17%. So I guess you got to you got to take into account the fact that Giroud last year had an ungodly shooting percentage of 17 plus. That whole line was just overperforming in a way. And his, while Ghost was on the ice, he had an on ice shooting percentage of like 11, uh, 11.3 last year. And now it's down to 8.4. So you're going to couple that with the fact that, um, the Flyers were running a five forward power play. There's nothing really playing in his favor. So, I mean, Ghost, his points per 60 is down by almost half as well right now, and that's to go with the PDO. That's also 5% less than it was last year. Philly's save percentage is always pretty bad, so it's due largely in part to the all-night shooting percentage that we were talking about. And also last year after the All-Star break, Gosses Bear had 32 points in just 33 games. Their bread butter totally was the power play. This year it's just it's it's horrible, which I, I don't really understand why because they, they have all that talent. Gosses Fair does a great job keeping the puck in the zone and everything like that. I wish that he would just hit more shots on goal. He takes a ton of shots. It's not like he doesn't take shots. Yeah. He's taking like 10 shots a game. Two or three of them are actually hitting the net. So what do you think? Do you think, uh, I mean, the Flyers, they're obviously hot going into their last month of play. They're 9-1-0. And in the last month, their power play is good for third behind Calgary and Chicago. They're seventh in all goals for in that span. So in the last month, it seems like the power play has really turned around. How do you feel about ghosts moving forward? Is this, um, I know you're a ghost owner, but if you weren't, would this be signs of life? Would you be buying low or uh, are you still thinking of selling them? If I wasn't a ghost owner, I would definitely be interested in buying low. You can probably get them for pretty cheap. 
and Philadelphia is a second-half team. They always have been. There are certain teams that come out of the gate shooting fire. Those are your teams like Toronto. Philly is just not that. They're not of that ilk. They always turn it off. Usually they turn it on at the end of the year and get like a low seed in the playoffs. That's usually their MO, and then they get kicked out. And You know yeah. what I mean? That's usually how it happens. This year they're they're probably too far out of it to be uh, – um, to go on that hot of a streak, but they just are. They're a second half team. So if you have the ability to to get ghost for cheap, then I would definitely do it. Do you think he's going to break his pace of 34 points? Do you think maybe he could break 40? Things do seem to be trending in the right direction for Philly. I think he could definitely make 40. But now, those numbers from last year, they're they're long gone. Oh yeah, that's not gonna least, happen. He's not gonna good. make he's not even gonna make 50, but making 40, boosting up another six points over that pace of 34. I could 100% see that happen. So I guess we'll just follow along the same, like dealing with high shooting, high shooting percentage people. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau was playing last year with uh, William Carlson, and I think that's going to be a theme throughout this one. Is um, this year is only on pace for 54 points, going from his I think it was like 75 last year. Um, still on pace for over 300 shots. He's one of the. Uh oh. What. Oh, bitchin'. I just got, um, I literally, just as we're talking about March or so, I just traded him for Keith Yandel. So, I mean, that is, that's, uh. You traded to Chucky? No, I traded him to Charlie. Oh, Charlie has Keith Yandel? I got Alex Edler going down, so I made the move for a D-man, and I think it's going to work out well. Sad to see March or so go, but, uh, as I know, and you know, we'll talk about it later, Vegas has one of the worst playoff schedules out there. So I was trying to get out from under March or so and maybe cash in for a D-man to replace Alex Edler. Uh, I'm going to start this conversation by saying, hey, I just traded March or so. Maybe you can too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that will be the theme throughout this one. Uh, his shooting percentage has taken a dip down 2% from last year, but he has had an uptick in shots from uh, 3.5 last year to 3.7 this year per game. So I think we would hope for more goals, right? Then you have to consider the fact with William Carlson, everybody knew that this year was going to be harder for him. He wasn't going to score 40 goals on 24% of his shots, something like that. Uh, they've had a revolving door of right wings going through. It's been Valentin Zikov, Brendan Peary, this guy, that guy. Um, they didn't have the stability they did last year. Somehow they're still winning games, though. Oh, yeah, that's that's got to be on Flurry. Well, though. not somehow. Yeah, I was just going to say not somehow. It's Flurry. But, I mean, they're still scoring goals. It's not like they're not. So, so, so just isn't on a lot of them, unfortunately. I was thinking um, maybe this is a result of the power play, um, what's going on there. He's he's on pace to eclipse last year's total of 16 power play points. So then I'm going to start diving into even strength. Where, where are the struggles there? Uh, the on-ice shooting percentage of even strength is down from 11.6 last year to 7.8 this year. That's a pretty huge drop. But again, like we were saying, you had 24% wild bill out there on the ice has to go down. Somebody score? Yeah, uh, Thomas Shabbat scored, Brady Kachuk, and Mark Stone on the assist. All right, as long as uh, Matt Duchesne's off that one, I'm okay with it. Well, at least <laughs> I got something out of Brady Kachuk. It and Thomas Shabbat, he's been pointless in like seven. Yeah, I, I know. Him. I'm excited. I want to get him back on, dude, like I have, in a big way. We're going to talk about him a little later. All right. Anytime, man. Anytime <laughs> we can talk about him. Um, so paired with his, um, on a shooting percentage going down, he's also getting 2% less draws in the offensive zone this year. 
So he's going to have to truck all the way up ice to get a scoring chance rather than just be there already. Um, even though his time on ice is the same, you got to figure those, you know, four or five seconds to get set up you know, time and time again, 2% of the time that's going to add up. I definitely see what you're saying. Like, yeah, it seems like a small, you know what I mean? It seems like an insignificant number, 2%. You Good turn ed- that into, you turn that into steps. You turn that into miles, seconds, minutes. Exactly. Like it adds yeah. up every, every little thing adds up and, and that 2% might not seem like a lot, but it turns into quite a bit. And maybe I'm grasping at straws here, trying to find a reason. I think, no, the biggest, man, I, I like it. Actually, I, I, I dig that little stat. The biggest reason has got to be, um, March so last year had 48 assists. Let's say he got a piece of half of Wild Bill's 40 something goals. That's 20 easy. He's on pace for 28 right now, which is exactly 20 less than last year. So, you know, with Riley Smith having a great year, Carlson having just an anomaly of a year. There's your point total. And with with Marchessault's shot total, you'd have to think that he's at least got a 25-goal floor, which is exactly what he's on pace for right now. All right, so is it safe to say that the guy we saw last year was just lightning in a bottle? It was paired with uh, a perfect year from Wild Bill. I got to stop calling him that. And do you think he's more likely to return to the guy we saw in Florida with like 30-goal upside and uh, 20 to 25 assists, rounding out kind of in that 50-point area? Where do you see him? Jonathan Marcheseau this year. I want Jonathan Marcheseau in a dynasty league. How old is he? He's got to be like 24, 25. He's coming up into the prime of his career. They're, they're going, they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. Him and Carlson. They're going to give them every opportunity to succeed. That's why I want that kind of person on my team. Because somebody who is getting chances, who is purposely put in position to get chances, that's who I want. Remember how many fucking breakaways that guy had last year? More than like, zero, for all, sure. All the time. He had like a breakaway or two a fucking game last year. Like I watched a lot of their games, and I specifically remember that. Like he had a ton of breakaways last year. He's not getting that as much this year, especially because they they don't have as good of a defense as they did last year as well, which really got the puck out of the defensive zone quickly with long stretch passes, and he was always a receiver of those long stretch passes. They they cashed in on a lot of points together. I'm uh I'm gonna so look to that an- up. So that was a very long winded answer to your question. I think he can definitely be the guy that he was last year. It's just not this year. Uh, very is unlikely to happen every single year. Um, but I think he is the player that you saw last year, as opposed to the player that didn't get as much time in Florida. Um, if you give the guy opportunity, he's going to get you points. And we definitely we talked about this before the season started. Um, that Marchesso was definitely going to see a dip because of Carlson's dip too. So there's less. Yeah, you just couldn't you couldn't expect line. it to be as fucking nuts as it was last year, especially after there's a playbook out on these guys. They're still producing. It's not like they're not. They're just not going fucking crazy like they were last year. Let's move into damn Ottawa. Ottawa tied it up. I don't Did know they fucking scored. really? Jesus. Yeah, Christ. Ottawa fucking tied it up. Magnus Payarvi, JGP, and Zach Smith. Fucking JGP, huh? That seems kind of unnecessary. He has two points tonight. Wow, he doubled his production all year? Just tonight? <laughs> all right, I, let's get into some Patrick Line territory. The turtlenecked Gary Busey. I really wonder what his fucking, what his contract is going to be like after this Matthews contract. I'd put him closer to, closer to Eichel. I think he's going to try to get every fucking red cent that he can 
and he is going to go for as long of a deal as possible. He's not going to do the five-year thing. He's going to want fucking eight years, like 14 a fucking year. No, no shot. He, that's I, what I he's going to deal. You know Patrick Line. That's what he's going to want. I think he, he'll get a two- or three-year bridge deal. Give him the old Kucherov treatment. I don't think he's going to go for a bridge <clears> deal. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Patrick Line, huh? All right, so where do we even begin with Patrick Line? Um, his time on ice has dipped so fucking far. He had his second lowest of his career the other night, and I've been reading that his his five-on-five play has been – it's been really down in his defensive end, um, and that's probably leading to his dip in ice time. He's not as – Trustworthy with the puck. The Jets give up over eight shots per 60 when line is on the ice. All right. So let's, let's start trending him out in his last 25 games. He has 73 shots. So right around three shots per game. He's got 11 points, four goals, seven assists. Three of them came on the power play. Uh, he is shooting at 5.5%. That is just not like that's Pat not Patrick line. esque. Uh, in his last 10, he's got three points. One goal, two assists, a power play assist, 31 shots on goal at 3.2% with 16-16 average time on ice. But what's so crazy, TJ, is so you read me these numbers. If I didn't know anything else and all you did was read me those numbers and ask me how I thought that team was doing when you tell me that this is one of their best players, I would have told you they're, uh, they're, they're not doing well, they're they're on like a fucking 10 game losing streak. No, Everybody they're they're scoring. doing just fine. They're scoring fucking ton of goals a game. But the other night they had fucking nine goals. And it's no, just that that's against Patrick, Anaheim. You can't count that. They still had nine goals against an You can't be like, oh, Jack Roslavic, he's so fucking great. No, he scored against the Ducks. He got a hat trick against the Ducks. All three goals came on the power play. So I just kind of write it off. All I'm trying to get at, he's just not getting on points. They're still scoring points. He's just not getting any. Fucking Josh Morrissey is. Fucking Roslavich is. With with Line, it seems like after his five-goal game, he just kind of like brushed his hands off, you know, I'm done All for right, the year. I'm good for the year. Yeah, he was shooting at almost 21% in those first 25 games of the year. Um, since that five-goal game, he's shooting under 7%. Yeah, I get it. We only have a three-year sample size to look at. As soon as we get like, we have 600 shots to look at. We can think that we have somewhat of an idea who Patrick Line is. Uh, career average is 16.8%. And then that's more than double what he's been shooting in the last 20 games. So either either Patrick Line has gone on a 175-game, half-goal-per-game smoke show uh, illusion, or these last 25 games have been the weird part of it. And I, I think it's going to be the 25 games. That's the weird part. He's still on pace for almost 40 goals. You can probably see another 14, 15 goals out of him if he gets back to normal. If he gets back to normal and still has another 100 shots in his tank, then he could be seeing another 18 goals. Had this slump not happened, though, he shot at a normal rate since his five-goal game with a 16% would have been another six or seven goals on top of it. That's pacing for nearly 50. I don't know. I, I think he's definitely going through a slump. I think he is more of the player that uh, we saw before. Maybe people could pump their brakes a little bit on this next Ovechkin thing that everybody has him pegged for. That's just me. Yeah. Um, so you had just made a trade. That's right. You traded away Jake Vorchek and got Patrick Line. So as far as stats go and all of that BS, it was like a super fair trade. 
I wasn't really thrilled about it. I do just because I mean, he is a pure scorer. He's a pure goal scorer. Yep. He's no he's no Ovechkin. He really is. He's gonna get it back. And I mean, he's still playing with super top level talent. Uh it's, it's only it's only a matter of time. That was a smart trade by you. I'm just not thrilled about it. I'm betting on this one. I think he is definitely coming back. This is a huge slump for him. I mean, stuff like that happens, like you were saying. You don't like it when I make trades, and I don't like when you make trades. Yeah. Deal with deal with it. Our guy Keith Yandel. I got Jack Eichel. Tarasenko. Uh kind of seems like he's back already. They're coming back in general. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is limping in there with him. Tarasenko is definitely uh, leading the charge to uh, win some games. After going 20 games with only seven points, Tarasenko is now on a 14 in 13 games heater with seven goals, seven assists. Uh, St. Louis, they're they're as a whole 26th in goals for. They're pretty much tied for Philly uh, in goals for per game. And uh, in the last month, the Blues are scoring at 3.2 goals for per game, and they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. So I think my feelings a lot like the Flyers go with uh, the Blues on this one. They're doing better. Everybody's confidence is up. Maybe they're making a last-ditch effort because the log jam in the West. I can't remember. Are you you were a Tarasenko owner last year, so I, I don't know. It just feels like you're always a Tarasenko owner. Uh, yeah, I was a Tarasenko owner one year out of, how many years that we've been playing? Oh, by the way, Morgan Riley scored. Bitchin'. Zach Hyman assisted. Yeah, so I mean, I was a Tarasenko owner for one year. Ooh. I don't know. I, I wasn't even really... You remember last year. Like, I wasn't even thrilled about it last year. Like, yeah. there were there were days when I thought about not putting him in the lineup when, like, I have too many guys playing, and it's like, okay, his name is fucking Tarasenko. You should 100% have him in. But I was there was days where I had to truly think like, do I want to put him in? I, I feel like he's just not going to fucking score. And I feel like it was probably the same way this year. Before he went on this streak, he's got a he's got a five game point streak right now, and he's shooting like three and a half times a game. He's got 177 shots in 50 games. In this recent outbreak, in the 13 games, he's got 40 shots, so right around 3.1. So that's less, but he is connecting on 17 and a half percent of his shots. So. His career average of 12.8, he's pretty high for a normal person, but correct me if I'm wrong, but you think of Vladimir Tarasenko as kind of a sniper, right? Yes. So you think that he can do he can he can do this like extended high shooting percentage type of type of thing. I'm conflicted. I'm not gonna lie. Just because I've seen both. I've seen extended streaks for Tarasenko, and I've seen extended fucking cold streaks for Vladimir Tarasenko. Like, I know that both are possible. I know that St. Louis isn't the best team. I know that a lot of times they're playing from down. I know they spend a lot of time in the D zone. So I know all of these negatives that go along with just the team that he fucking plays for. So do I think that he can do it? Yeah, it's possible. But I think it's more likely that St. Louis is going to start fucking not doing well again. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that that is more of a, a possibility than them going on this crazy hot streak. Tarasenko's going to score fucking 20 games in a row. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to bet against that. So if you take this streak out, uh, these 13 games, he's got 37 games played, 11 goals, 11 assists, nine power play points. Six of those are goals. Three of them are assists. He's got 137 shots. That's all at 8%. So he's shooting at 8% before his 17.5, this this streak that he's been on the bender. So, I mean, it's easy to say he was underperforming 
So before the streak, we can finish out his season going along with his career averages. So Tarasenko, in estimation on pace, he had another 120 shots on him. If he if he paced that out at his 12.8 career percentage, you could say that he's like he's owed another 15 goals, putting him right where he finished last year at 33 goals. And you have to think, or at least I do, that the Shen Ryan O'Reilly Tarasenko combo is just plain out better than the Schwartz Shen and Tarasenko combo. So he could even be owed a few more than the 12 assists that he's pacing for. I mean, we could see him at 70 points closer, closer to 70 points than 60 points if this tear keeps up. I think the, uh, the window for buying low on Tarasenko has got to be over with a five game point streak, uh, over a point per game in his last month. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's over. Um, so, do, so do I. And I think even if you would trade for him, I think it would be a bad idea because you'd have to give up something more than I think he would be worth unless you plan on keeping him. It's the only reason I would trade for him, to be honest. Every year it seems like he underperforms. All right, so I got a couple of goalies here. Um, Cam Talbot, Jake Allen, and Roberto Luongo as possible bounce-back candidates. Um, Not as sold on Talbot or Jake Allen. And there's a couple of bullet points with Luongo, that uh, a couple of scenarios that could play out. Or Um, or Road Luongo. Just R Luongo now. Uh, So for Talbot, the only thing I have to say in his defense is that Clefbaum and Sakara are back. Um, and we haven't seen Talbot with both of those guys playing in front of him, well, since Talbot was good two years ago. Clefbaum was back the other night, and Talbot gave up like five goals in five minutes or something like that. I don't know yeah, how much. It was, it was bad. <laughs> you see the guy he threw his jersey on the ice? No. That's, that's disrespectful. I don't know how he much. took off his Talbot jersey and threw it on the ice? I don't know if he had a Talbot jersey. I don't know many people that do. But yeah, Talbot, he like, he picked it up with a stick and threw it back over the ice. It was just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're doing. You got to imagine Todd McClellan is just wringing his hands, laughing, like, have fun, Ken. Or at least what I've been, what I've been led to believe is that Andre Sekera, or Sekera, however he wants to pronounce it nowadays, is, is more of a defensive D man. And given that he's probably going to have enough rust on him to spend the rest of the year shaking it off, we might not see a fully healthy defense in front of him. And to go with the fact that uh, Talbot has been trending down every season since that workhorse season, a couple seasons back. He played 73 games, 67 last season. And this year he's pacing for 45 starts with Miko Koskinen. Uh, he doesn't have somebody like Al Montoya, Laurent Bossois backing him up right now, who management just didn't have much confidence in. I mean, it's it's almost worth talking about. Is it even worth talking about Talbot as a bounce, bounce back candidate? I still think that Koskinen is going to get more of the starts. So, like, unless you're spot starting him and keeping track of who is starting on what day, always looking at that every morning to find out if it's Koskinen or if it's Talbot, then no, I'm not getting fucking crazy about it. Are you? No, I wouldn't mind picking up picking him up for a good matchup. Uh, I'm not rostering him. That's for sure. Oh, he's he's been dropped in our league already. He's been dropped in, I think, like three out of the six leagues that I'm in. He's a he's a Backup goalie, why would you roster a backup goalie unless you had Koskinen? And then even and, Ko- and Koskinen just got all that money. You know what I mean? It's not like they're going to fucking and that's give the starting money. role back to Talbot after they gave Koskinen all that money. That's so, no, I wouldn't pick him up or trade for him. But what if Cam Talbot gets traded? And that's what I've been hearing more and more, that he might go here, he might go there. I mean, I can't really think of any teams that 
are in the hunt that need that need goaltending, maybe save for Columbus or why does Columbus know. need goaltending? Well, Bobrovsky's having a shit year. That I guess doesn't we could mean, talk about him later too. That doesn't mean that they need to trade for anybody. Well, let's say Bobrovsky. That just means Corpusaller needs to get more starts, which I've been saying for a long time. All right, so I guess it would mean where we would land is like it depends on where Cam Talbot winds. Okay, up. what if he would go to the Kings? Why would they do that? Because their backup goalie situation is horrible, and at least he would get half the starts there. I would say that's about a push as far as value goes. I think the Kings are a better team. Up and down. Up and down, I think they're a better team. No. They're not front-loaded. They're not McDavid-loaded. That's about it. They're completely front-loaded. It's just the Uh, way it is. So for me, him to the Kings would be a push. Um, Fair enough. Him to... I don't really want him either way. Him to Florida, him to Carolina. I mean, they already. I they could see one Carolina being Darling. stupid and doing something like that. Maybe I it's really the could. answer. Maybe it's the answer they're looking for. Um, I've been hearing so many crazy things like Bobrovsky to Florida and then. Oh, I would Lu- love that. Broussard and Luongo back to Florida and then they flip Luongo and Broussard to LA for quick. And there's this whole clusterfuck of goalie rumors out there right now. I it's, would love to see a new. I, I just want to see a new goalie. In Florida, I want got Robert, I want Roberto Longo to get the fuck out. You got it out for him, man, dude. Bobrovsky in a fucking Panthers uniform would be would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I've heard him and Panarin. I don't know. I th- I think that Panarin. would be craziness. Would uh, well, be they crazy. would not. They would be getting rid of. They will. If that was the case, then Columbus would definitely be getting like Mike Hoffman or something like that. Yeah, they got to give up somebody. Or even like I could, I could see him giving up like Dadnoff or something. I could get down with that. I could definitely see them giving up Dad, Dadnoff, oh, yeah. Dadnoff, Luongo, and like cash considerations for fucking Owen Tippett. I could see them giving up Owen Tippett. I wouldn't be surprised. I would actually. That would actually make that move. That would make that move a little better. And then I would put Robert Roberto Luongo in as the backup goalie and fucking have Corpusalo start. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. There's, it's fun to dream. I like um, Corpusalo. That's just uh, I want to uh, see him get a chance. I like. Him. I'm not. I'm not sold. I like. Um, him. All right, so I, let's talk about Jake I just Allen. Got a feeling. So with Jake Allen, is this pretty much the fucking? Is this like the same situation? I feel uh, like I've said everything I need to say about the St. Louis Blues. What, apply, what applies? What applies for Tarasenko is the same for Jake Allen, except Tarasenko is a way better person to have on your team than Jake Allen. I'll give I think you St. Louis still is going to suck, which, like, I've always liked St. Louis. Like, I've always wanted them to do well, and they just always underwhelm. I don't want Jake Allen. Jake Allen hasn't played since January 17th. And on the other hand, Bennington has seven wins in his last 11, 921, and a 188 on the year. Um, yeah, so fuck Jake really- Allen. I don't see them. Do you see them just totally giving the reins to Bennington? Bennington and Huso run that combo, or would you have Allen as your backup? I think they'll put Allen back in as the starter. Oh yeah, they they're stupid. Sorry, Dave. A couple of D men yet, or do you want to touch on Bobrovsky? Um, we can touch on Bobrovsky here while we're talking about the rest of the uh, goalies. Uh, we already kind of talked about Luongo a little bit. He needs to go. 
So uh, I think that Bobrovsky would be an awesome person to to go there. Bobrovsky is definitely having like his worst year since he's had in the league since he was in Philadelphia. He has a ton of really bad starts. He has nine really bad starts. Um, so he only has a 444 quality start percentage. Uh, also, his goal saved above average is a negative 7.62. So he just he should be saving more uh, saving more shots, and he's just not to almost the tune of a little over seven seven and a half goals. Just like we were talking about, do you think that he would be a, a good fit in somewhere like Florida? I think if it seems like he doesn't give a shit about Columbus anymore, well, it seems just, like they've been jerking him around for sure. Um, and it's contract year for him. Don't you think that he should be like? playing out of his mind right now for all that money that he thinks he deserves, like Carey Price money? I mean, I don't think he's doing it on purpose. I, I think that he has a resume of his own. Everybody knows he's a great goalie. Yeah. Now, are you going to command probably as much as you could have if you were a Vesna candidate right now? Well, no. It wouldn't hurt, yeah, especially if he was doing better. Yeah, I mean, if he was a Vesna candidate, then yeah, he could definitely command more money coming into uh, free agency. But I, I still like him. Uh, I want to see him go to somewhere new. Um, I think Florida would be a good fit. I think Florida would be a fucking great fit. I've been saying for a long time that's what they need. They have a they have a decent young decor, great offense. Uh, they need a not Robert Luongo, Robert. Robbie, Robertus. You ready to talk some William Nylander? I'm over William Nylander. I got a, I got a couple things I got to say about him. So just get your grains of salt ready, everybody. Uh, Willie, uh, outside of tonight, uh, he has been over a point per game in his last five. I don't know if he has any points tonight. Um, I don't think so. But in the five prior to tonight, he had a goal and five assists. Three of those assists came against Washington. Get a goal and an assist against Anaheim, and one assist against Arizona. So, do you do you notice anything about those three teams? Like a trend, almost that they suck. Yeah. They let in a lot. They let in a lot of goals. Yeah. So, I don't know if this is. I mean, if nothing else, it's at least a confidence builder. Maybe we can pump the brakes on the. Oh my God, he's above a point per game. This could be. You know, he could be going on a tear. Yeah, maybe, but uh, Anaheim sucks. Like. Really sucks. Arizona's no Goliath. Washington has been there three, six, and two in their last 11. Uh, they're allowing over four goals a game. Tell me about it. Willie has only been shooting. He's shooting under 5% right now. He has been, his career average is more than double that. So you would think that he, had he been getting the same luck as always, he would, he would have at least four goals by now. And that's a far cry from past seasons. But with 30 games left, you know, to the T, well, 29 after tonight, whatever. Uh, this five-game sample size is closer to the averages that Nylander's put up in his career than uh, what he has done so far this year. So, I mean, outside of the over a point-per-game pace, I can say that, you know, this this is who we expected Nylander to be at least. Well, think think about it this way. This is his November. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that one. You know what I mean? This is November to him. He just got back. He just started playing. I think if it were November, yeah, maybe he could get to that 61 point. Yeah, then he would be just fine and nobody would be worried about anything. But since it took him so long to get going, it took him so long to get his feet under him. He said himself that he was having problems with 
just all the cardio. That was his main problem. So now that he has those back, he's playing with some better players, which unfortunately drops fucking Andreas Janssen down to the fourth fucking line. But now he's going to actually start producing. You you know that's going to happen. You start putting him with people. You put him with a Matthews. They had him with Matthews for a little bit. You put him with Tavares. You put him with Kadri. You put him with arguably the the best three centers in the league, like first, second, third. Group of centers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to start producing. It'll so, happen. I'm still going to win that bet that we made. But 61-point pace? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm still going to win that bet, but... I think it'll be closer to like a 50-point pace, but I'm not backing out, so you'll win it. It's right, okay. So, I don't think Krejci is going to get the 60 points either. Let's say he is back and is scoring like we're used to at around like 0.8 points per game. He could be in store for 22 more points the rest of the way. That would bring him up to 31 points in 54 games, and that would be 47 points, like right around a 50-point a 50 point average, I guess. I was just like kind of rounding up there. And he did go dry for the first half of his season, so to keep up his 61-point thing that he's doing every year, uh, that's definitely not going to happen. So, yeah, I'll be eating crow on that one. I won't be eating crow on the next one because I went at length about why Anze Kopitar is going to have a down year. Let's start by saying if you draft a Kopitar as like the 90-point guy that he was last year, then you are disappointed. And a lot of and a lot of people did do that. If you remember when we were talking about guys that we thought that wouldn't perform this year like they did last year, I was the first one to say Andre Kopitar. And all I did was read the stats. It, it it's weird. It happens every year. His good year, his bad year, his great year, his really bad year, his good year. And he follows it up by a bad year. Like it happened next year. I'll be the first one to say that Andre Kopitar is going to have a great season. <laughs> Chances are you're going to be able to draft him at a much better spot and get a return for it next year because he won't be, he won't be touted as highly. So his rank will be a lot lower. You'll be able to get him in a lot lower round than you would have this year when he had a fucking stellar season last year. So this year he's on pace for 63 points and that's another 23 points for the rest of the season. His shooting percentage is still high compared to a career average. His shots are down and his points are down. He's kind of like the Craig Anderson of skaters as far as like going back and forth. Good year, bad year, good year, bad year. I, I could see that comparison. He does, however, have nine points in his last five, three goals, six assists. 12 points in his last 10 for six goals and six assists and 15 in his last 14. And that's 20 and 20. So since November 17th, he's almost at a point per game in his first 17 games. He only had six points. Who do we have on our hands here? Are they going to be somebody that's going to, are they going to be a team that's pushing at the end of the season or not? Uh, Luckily his, uh, his line mates are also starting to come on. And that involves Ilya Kovalchuk, who's, a real nice uh, welcome back party in in New Jersey. I don't know if you saw any of that, but they oh, yeah. they really they really showed him what they thought of him. And it wasn't good things. No, I believe there's a lot of signs that said like Koval sucks and <laughs> all all sorts of stuff. So I just but wish yeah. he would get some consistency with his line mates. It almost seems like it's Alex Iafalo, and then it's Ilya Kovalchuk, and it switches every single game. Then I don't know where it's Tyler Toffoli and. It's it's never consistent. That's what I can say. All right, that's, uh, the, that's the kings for you. I mean, 
you have to think that maybe that's even good for quick owners, those people that still have quick and didn't trade him like I did, who got out from under that fucking rug real quick. But yeah, I, I think that next year is going to be a great year for him. This year, I'm I'm glad I traded him. I don't right. care if he's on a little streak. I'm going to blow through a couple D-men real quick. We got P.K. Subban. Going to blow a couple D-men. Blow some D's. Going to talk about Subban. Going to talk about Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, Subban is rocking in. He's rocking exactly a half point per game right now. He's got 18 points and 36 games played. So given that he missed the 19 games uh, with injury, uh, had he played an 82-game season, his pace would be 41 points, exactly half point per game. And he's coming off years where... He got 59 points in 82, and then he got 40 points in 66. That's a 50-point pace. Uh, that was his first year in Nashville. You got to think, uh, it's also worth noting that his hits are way down, too. Right now, he's on pace for 54 hits for the year. Last year, he had 111. Wow. Shots are down. Uh, his 82-game pace is 176 compared to last year's 207, so 31 less shots than last year. And he's also playing the least amount of time on ice Average time on ice, that is, since his rookie year. He's down two and a half minutes from last year. He's close to the same dip in his career average. That's a 10% drop in ice time. And then you go on to mention that the Nashville power play has just been absolutely piss poor lately. Forsberg last night scored hit the first power play goal Nashville has seen since January 9th. They went 0 for 34 in that span. Uh, Stuban's gone seven games pointless. He has one assist in his last 10 games. Also, like in his last five games, Subban has seen time on ice like 1736 against Florida, 1701 against Vegas. What's going on here? Is he spending more time in the box? I forgot to look if uh, if his penalty minutes were like outrageous in those games, but it wouldn't be too far to imagine that they are just um, penalizing him for this kind of shit. I don't know. Where, where do you see Subban um, finishing the year? Is he going to be half point per game, maybe a little more? Uh, what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, I could see him just under 50 points. Also, what what exactly do you think it is? Do you think they're just saving him more for the actual NHL playoffs? I have because no idea. They know they're going to make it. Of course. They know they're going to make it. Do they want uh do they want their golden goose to be well rested for the playoffs or or do you think he's actually getting penalized for something he's done? I I, I find that hard to believe. I find more of they are saving him to be believable, or at least that's in my thought. Um, so that leads that leads to the next question of, do you want to trade for somebody like P.K. Subban? Do I think he is going to amp it up? Not really. Nothing like, and P.K. Subban, he's got that name value too. Like he's on commercials. He's everywhere. If you, if you think of the NHL and celebrities from the NHL, P.K. Subban is one of the few. He's going to garner a much higher trade value than, then he should, at least at a half point per game. I mean, 41 points, you'd be better off with like Oliver Ekman Larson than P.K. Subban this year. So and, if I have P.K. Subban, should I be trading with TJ? Uh, if you can, yeah, if you can move up, you know, if you can get a sneaky move, maybe like, I would even say Jared Spurgeon is probably going to like pace out the rest of the year the same as P.K. Subban. I like Jared Spurgeon. <laughs> yeah, especially after that baseball goal he had the other night. He does that oh, shit no. all the time. He had a goal like that last year. So just think of that. If if Jared Spurgeon is like on the low end of trade value, think about what you can get if you can if you can like talk up PK Subban. Maybe you can get. I mean, you're not getting like a Mark Giordano or anything, but a Tory Krug maybe. I'd be down for that. Or even try to get a two for one. 
Yeah. Or or do a two for two where you're getting like somebody like a Jared Spurgeon who just looking at him name name wise, you say, Okay, PK Subban definitely wins that trade, but does he really? And then get a better a better forward on top of it. It's not the worst idea in the world. So I think bottom line here is uh neither of us think PK Subban's gonna turn get it into second <clears throat> gear for the second half of the season. Yeah, I think that's definitely where we're at. All right. The same thing probably can be said for Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, the only real reason that I have. <laughs> I agree. Meh. I agree. But it is worth noting that he's back on the top power play. Um, and how long that lasts, I don't know. But it could could very well happen. Um, right now, he's got 14 points in 44 games. And last year, he had 23 points in 46 games. Both years, I mean, it's real shitty, but... Last year, he was a half point per game on the dot. This year, he's less than half point per game. So, I mean, there is really no direction for him to go but up. But he's a bottom of the roster D-man at best. Probably, like, middle of the pack streamer option. That's all I got to say about Kevin Shattenkirk. In really. fact, later, I'm going to talk about dropping Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> what, do they have a shit uh, playoff schedule? Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to touch on a couple more D-men here. Uh, we were talking about Oliver Ekman Larson. Touching D, man, huh? I'm touching it. I'm blowing through him. And touching some D. I think a PK Subban for OEL trade right now would pretty much be a push. OEL is on pace for 43 points, so a little over a half point per game. Um, And I don't know if we're ever going to see that 55-point po- Oliver Ekman Larson ever again. So we definitely need to move him uh, in our minds out of that higher tier defenseman category that he just seems to find himself in. In that 55-point campaign, OEL had 228 shots, scored on almost 10% of them. And that was his career-high shooting percentage. That's 9.2. And since then, he's been trending down. I think he's just that 45-point guy with a 55-point ceiling. I think that's what we saw. We saw the ceiling. And, it's and that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. He, he's not going to be your best defenseman. If he is, then you have a real fucking problem. Big time. But if he is a middle of the pack in your defense, then that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah, not going out of my way to trade for him, um, especially with kind of uh, playoff matchups that uh, that they have in 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 our playoff weeks. Uh, for most of us, it probably starts March 11th. But those next three weeks, it's not like Arizona is really killing it in games per week. They have one good week, and that's it. So, I mean, I'm not going out of my way to trade for him, but I wouldn't mind upgrading if that was the case, if I have somebody lower. Yeah, I mean, if if OEL goes on a hot stretch, then definitely hit that send button on any trade offers you're thinking about. Okay, um, so let's round it out with Dougie Hamilton. So, I guess speaking of uh, career-high seasons being in the rearview mirror, Dougie Hamilton's a perfect, a perfect segue here. His career high was 50 points, and that was two seasons ago. And Dougie this year is getting just four seconds less of average time on ice than he did in that career high season. He's on pace for more shots than that year on pace for 14 goals this year with 32 points all day. So what is it? Why is he not hitting that 52 or that 50 point ceiling? And it's got to be the assists. Dougie's personal shooting percentage is only half a point down from that career year but his on-ice shooting percentage is down 3%. That's 3% less assists. He's also got a career-low PDO, and you got to think that's probably because of Carolina's just bullshit goalie situation. The PDO is 4.5% off from what it was that career year. So you think 4% more assists would mean that he gets another one or two assists, and that would only bring him to 33 points all day. So again, 
what is it? And you got to think about it. I mean, Dougie went from power play one in Calgary with Gaudreau, Monaghan. Um, I think it was like Chris Versteeg and, and that type of company. And then you had the even strength Corsi powerhouse pairing uh, with him and Mark Giordano. They were on the 10th best power play in the league that year. And Carolina has the 10th worst uh, goals for per game year team this year. They also have the sixth worth power play. He's playing on the second unit. So it's all in strength of line mates. I mean, Dougie played top power play back in Calgary. And I think if he played top power play here in Carolina, things could have been a lot different. Dougie has one of the highest points per game, points per 60, that is, in uh, the league amongst D-men prior to the start of this year. And I think he could have done really well, especially in a team that values Corsi so much and those advanced analytics and shit like that. So things just didn't turn out that way. And I think Dougie Hamilton, we're looking at, you know, a 30 to 35 point trade chip that plays for Carolina right now. I don't think he ends the year with Carolina. I think he's going to be an Islander. You think he's going to get moved, huh? Yeah. I don't think he would mind that. But I mean, at least, do you think that's why they have him up on the front pairing? Oh, him and Jacob Slavin. I think maybe showcase him. Yeah, that, that'd that be good for trade value. I was going to say, um, is that why you think they moved him up from the third line pairing to the first line pairing? Somebody like the New York Islanders, who I've been saying for, for weeks now, who they they seem to have found a goalie. They seem to have scoring even without John Tavares. The only thing they're lacking is an offensive D-man, and Nick Letty could be on this list very well as the same. I was going to say Nick Letty ain't doing it for you, huh? He's not doing it for anybody. He's not doing it for the Islanders. <laughs> like they, they still haven't given Ryan Pulak a shot on the top unit. Dougie Ham could come in there and just rock the top power play unit. I think it'd be good for him. And if, if that's the case, I could see him clearing 40 points. But outside of that, he's probably going to be 32, 35 points. I like him better on the Islanders than I like him on Carolina. Same. I just think he, he would fit in with their style of play better. Let's so that round, that rounds, out the, rounds out the D-man, huh? I think so, yeah. So let's talk a couple flyers now, man. Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick, two players who both had a really hot second half of last year, and that's why they find themselves on this list again. Konechny uh, the, and the Flyers, they're on a really hot run right now. We set it with Ghost. Um, TK is on power play two right now, which has been converting lately, which is kind of crazy. They have three power play points in their last 10 games, and TK's got eight points in his last 10 got himself on three power play points. So just in those 10 games, he's on a 65-point pace. And if you look at um, the prior 43 games as opposed to those 10, he's got 23 points. And that's a 45-point pace. So if the Flyers keep playing well, TK's obviously going to benefit. Right now he's on the top line with Giroux and JVR. A couple of really good shooters when they decide to shoot. And he's got one of the best playmaking passers in the game in Claude Giroux. So you got to figure... Um, a 60 point pace the rest of the way is not too foreign to me, at least. So I think that paired with the fact that he did have that crazy run last year is the reason I have him on this, um, this list. And the same can be said for Nolan Patrick, who also had eight points in his last 10. And before that, he had 11 points in 36. So if that doesn't seem a bit lopsided, I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. And you definitely picked up Patrick after, yeah, I, I, after I dropped him. Had him for that four game week last week and. Didn't really work for you. No, no, not even a little bit. But um, actually, he scored that goal, but he was on my bench that day. Yeah. Uh, had a full yeah. lineup outside of him. The one day you had him on your bench and didn't play him, he scored a goal. It's perfect. It's well done. Okay, so you actually have the Ducks down here. The, yeah, as the possible team. bounce backs, the Ducks. Just Ducks question mark. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Well, you, you think Corey Perry is going to come back and save the fucking world? No. And Corey Perry is going to make it all happen? Uh, and he's going to make Raquel better and Getzlav better and that whole... F- I don't no. know about that. Well, I think all of this plays into how well Gibson is going to do the rest of the year. And we've seen him. He got pulled in his last two starts. Uh, Chad Johnson got lit up last night. It's just not going well, man. And with Ricard Raquel, he's got... In his last 10, he's got five points. Uh, he's been in the league seven years. And this is going to be the first year that we've seen Ricard Raquel's numbers go down. Let's just go back a few years. He had 31 and 71, then he had 43 and 72, 51 and 71, and then 69 and 77. This year he's on pace for 50 points. And that's if he played 82 games. He did miss 13 games, so he can only play a max of 69 games. And that's putting him at 42 points in 69 games. Uh, we were all kind of calling it that he's just going to keep building on this, and it just does not look like it. And, and that's a lot to play with the – that's a lot to blame on the Ducks. Yeah. They're, they're I, not- I I find it hard to blame Raquel. Uh, he, he's fucking awesome. But uh, I mean, they, I, I will say I'm a little surprised that he wasn't able to produce this year. But they've yeah. had a lot of problems with injury, uh, people in and out of the lineup, including him. And that goes from – the defense to the fucking top line. Uh, the only thing that they've had on regular is John Gibson. And it, I mean, it's not helping. They have the least amount of shots per game, the worst goals for per game, and the third worst power play in the league. So, I mean, how are you going to get anything done? You're not. That's that's the answer. So do I think that they're going to have a bounce back at the at the end of the year here and just try to play spoiler? No, they're spoiling people's seasons by giving up fucking seven goals a game. Pick up somebody that's playing the Ducks. That was, uh, yeah, that was the, that's why I had a question mark there. Getzlav, I mean, I talked about him a little bit last episode. He's on pace for 58 points. If I told you at the beginning of the year that he was going to have 58 assists, I'd have bought on that. Like, that's, that seems like a normal assist total for him <clears throat> any other year. Camp Fowler, since he came back, it's just been, it's not been great. I don't know if I was just blinded last year or uh, two seasons ago, rather. Fowler was like a really sexy, sneaky pick. He put up almost 40 points. He had 15 power play points, shot over twice a game. In that year, two seasons ago, Fowler was the top power play quarterback for a power play that wasn't ranked in the bottom, but it was somewhere in the middle. Uh, They were converting on 4% more power plays and scored near half a goal more per game. This is a team that had a deep playoff run. Uh, obviously they were younger then and they didn't really have that many injuries the way they did this year or last year. So going back to what you said, like they just haven't been healthy. They haven't had to, they haven't had the chance to build any momentum whatsoever. It always seems like one guy comes back and another one goes out. And I think that's how it's going to be this year. They're getting a lot older. Uh, They need to make some changes. I think that's incredibly evident. They need to move some things around uh, or else they're just going to get left by the wayside. And the Ducks are not going to have – they're not going to bounce back. Don't nope. think for a second. I mean, no, I, don't, I agree. if you, you want to buy on Raquel, you want to buy on their best player really low right now, uh, I, could, I could see that. Uh, but only if you're buying – only if you're buying him low. If you're buying him at regular Raquel value, then no. If you're buying him low, then okay, I can see it. Because there are people that I'm sure are fed up with Oh uh, well, I thought this guy was going to be their leading, leading scorer and and come out and kick ass and everything like that, and it just hasn't happened. So, 
that that's what I would say. I would say buy low on him, uh, but if you can't get him, don't uh, don't fret. Yeah, buy low and don't expect too much out of him. If you're giving up a half point per game guy to get Ricard Raquel, that's a good move. All right, let's. But just... I don't know many first like first line guys that I would trade him for. Well, maybe like uh, Travis Konechny, if you can get away with that. If somehow you could trade Travis Konechny for Ricard Raquel, then yeah, I would do it. Well, I'm thinking like sell high, buy low, meet in the middle somewhere. Fair enough. I don't know. Um, somebody who um, just following that, I don't think you're going to bounce back. Trend is Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, and his first like, you know, 10, 15 games, they were magic. And then uh, coach got fired and Desjardins come in and he just royally fucked Kovalchuk into the doghouse, man. He, and it doesn't help that Ilya Kovalchuk is contributing to a team with the second worst goals for per game, only to uh, Anaheim, and they get the fourth worst power play. So this is pretty much like just one place less than the Ducks. So the Kings and the Ducks, to me, they're pretty much the same team this year. And I don't think I can compare his numbers like before the KHL to now. So just based on hype alone, everybody wanted this guy to succeed. Everybody was drafting him as like, you know, a career point per game guy, which is who he was. Uh, he's shooting okay. He's shooting at 11.6, uh, 2.2 shots a game. In his career, he has been a guy to amp up his shot production. He's been like four shots a game in any given year, but he is playing eight minutes less a night than he was when he was on Jersey and stuff. So right now he's on pace for 44 points. That's if he plays every game the rest of the way. Uh, he would max out at 72 games. That's 18 goals, 25 assists that he's on pace for. And I, that's exactly where I'm going to put him. I don't think he's going to, He's not going to blow that out of the water. Like if, if he winds up a 40, 45 point guy, that wouldn't surprise me. I told you be aware of Ilya Kovacek. Never had him on my team, man. He hasn't been in the league for so long. Well, there was people like when we were doing our draft, they were like, oh, because I mean, he's, he's a name. He's a name that people remember from when we were growing up and yeah, I remember Kovacek and uh, the fucking devils and everything like that. I hate him when he was on the devils. And then he was out of the league for fucking five years. I mean, what do you expect? Best five years of my life. So I, I'm not surprised at all. And as far as regressions go, just a few names that I want to blow over real quick. Um, some people that have been playing really well in the first half, and we're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown coming from these guys. You got guys like Max Domi, Jeff Skinner, Thomas Shabbat, the Flames in general. Not that we're seeing um, any any signs of slowing down, but there are there are certain uh, signs in the water, I guess, or, you know, there's, there's signs there for regression and Brayden point who seems to be our year, this year's William Carlson. So let's start off with Max Domi. He's shooting almost double his average before this year, seeing only a minute more of ice time, but he is shooting a ton more though. And he's playing with better line mates. So you have to figure because you're playing around different people, uh, better people that your numbers are going to go up as a result. Let's just look at, his numbers per quarter in the first quarter of the year, he was over a point per game with 24 points in 20 games in the second quarter in 22 games, he had 14 points and recently he's got nine points in 12. So you can definitely see some signs of slowing down. Uh, that second quarter was especially slow for him and he seems to be ramping it up a little bit here in the third quarter, but far from that point per game pace that we saw in the first quarter. And uh, I think if you want to sell high on a guy like Max Domi, this this is a perfect time to do it as he is coming close to point per game again. I don't think it's going to happen for the rest of the year. As we've been saying all year, Max Domi, crazy anomaly. 
Jeff Skinner is the second guy we want to talk about. In the first half of the year, he had 41 points in 42 games. In his last 10 games, he's down to six points in 10 games. So that's a drop from a big chunk of time, 42 game sample size, where he was almost a point per game to now where he only has six points in 10 games. Uh, he went on an 80 point pace for the first half of the season to a 50 point pace in his last 10. And I know it's a much smaller sample size, but with Buffalo's recent line shakeups, you can see that uh, management is starting to get frustrated in their lack of depth scoring that could affect Skinner by sending him to the middle six and not with Jack Eichel. So you got to see that there is room for regression here, especially away from that almost a point per game pace. Uh, Shabbat, he, He's been pointless up until tonight where he got a goal uh, since his return where he had one point and that was an assist. Could this have been a really super hot start or is this um, is this a point in which we're thinking of selling high where, oh, yeah, he just scored a goal tonight. So like he's back. Check it out. Or maybe you're going to practice patience. I mean, Thomas Shabbat, there have been talks about putting him in in the in the talks for Norris. And I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but um you can always argue that maybe he, maybe it was just too much of a good first half than it would was a second half. Uh, so we are starting to see signs of Thomas Shabbat slowing down. He's still playing huge minutes. He's still shooting like three, four times a game. It's just not they're not going in. So keep an eye on Thomas Shabbat. Maybe try and sell if you're thinking about it. You can definitely still get one of those top-tier defensemen, somebody tried and true, somebody that's going to help you down the stretch. And as far as the Flames go, I mean, we got to talk about Johnny Hockey, Elias Lindholm, and Sean Monahan as a whole. This whole line has an on-ice shooting percentage higher than it has ever been before. Uh, you, I mean, obviously, you got Elias Lindholm, who's new to the scene, and who knows if this is the way it's going to look from now on, or if um, guys like Michael Furland from years past, or Christopher Stieg, or Sam Bennett, all the guys that have just cycled through since they found this piece in Elias Lindholm, if uh, if that was the final piece to this line. And and the same thing can be said for Mark Giordano. Um, he's three points away from tying his career high in points. He's on pace for 224 shots, pacing for 85 points this year. And I don't think he's going to hit 85 points. In fact, I'm willing to bet against it. But if everybody else keeps their pace up, Mark Giordano could easily hit 70, 75 points with ease. This is not somebody that um, I could see going above a point per game, but the Flames have just been playing unreal hockey this year, and it has a lot to do with a group effort of high shooting percentages from that top unit. And even stretching down to the second unit, uh, Matthew Kachuk on the top unit there has been doing really well and doing a lot of work at even strength. And it's benefiting guys like Michael Backlund here and there. Yeah, as far as these top guys, I would expect to see them slow down, maybe not to a screeching halt, but definitely pump the brakes a little bit. Braden Point, this is somebody I could see come to a street screeching halt. But again, like we've talked about it before, you had William Carlson last year. You had TJ Oshie the year before that. Braden Point could be that guy this year where you can do it for a whole year, but it's not going to repeat. So I guess going into next year, you're going to have to watch out for Braden Point when it comes to draft time, uh, keeping in mind that he's shooting right around 23% this year, which is just crazy. But we saw Carlson do it for a whole year. We saw Oshie do it for a whole year. I mean, he maybe Braden Point could do it. He's playing with great line mates in Kucherov, typically, um, and whoever is on the other side. It uh, it's just been everything has been falling in the right place for Braden Point this year. All right, let's let's get into some playoff talk here. Yeah, 
All right, all right, all right. So moving on. We're going to do, I'm actually excited about this little segment. Um, I always look forward to this time of year, playoff fantasy hockey. If you're not in it, uh, I'm really sorry that maybe this segment's not for you, but you should still listen anyway. Let's try to get into it. Always push for them playoffs. I'm fucking excited. Trying to make the playoffs in, in all my leagues, and I'm trying to make a deep run. And some of the moves that I've made already have been in order to set myself up for the playoffs, which I suggest everybody do. Start making trades now. Start eyeing guys. Look at how many games they have each week. Little hint, fucking Buffalo has five games on the third week of the playoffs, which is the finals. All right? You want somebody that's going to play five games in fucking one week, especially when it's the last week. It's the last fucking hurrah. Start looking forward. So I was just thinking, like, uh, so week one for us would be March 11th, starting March 11th. Week two would be starting March 18th. And week three, our championship week would start March 25th. So we're one of the leagues that leave out that last week of the year, just as like a heads up to anybody. Which I think, I mean, honestly, I think that that's the best way to do it because you already have problems as is. And I know you've had this problem in the past where, Oh, yeah. There is a team that that clinches, so they're sitting stars. And those are the guys that have carried you through the entire fucking year. These yeah. are your star players, the guys that in a week you're counting on for like... Dropping like Evgeny Malkin for Andre Palat or... Nick yeah, Beast just, or just because, hey, well, I'm not going to keep Evgeny Malkin. So if he's not going to fucking play, then I'm going to pick up somebody who's going to ha- at least be on the ice. So that's why I like to do everything where you do it that week, that week ahead of time. So at least at the very, um, at the very end of it, you're not losing players on that last week where it's, a, it's a guy that under no circumstances, whatever you would you ever not have in your lineup, but they're just resting. And yeah. I, it, you know what I mean? It's not like I blame the team. I don't blame the teams for doing that. Oh, yeah, I would, smart. I would, I would do that too. I want, I want my fucking prize pig to be, ready to go for the playoffs, for the real playoffs. And goalies. I mean, we were saying um, kind of a spoiler alert here, sorry, but Tampa Bay, they have two games in the last week. And I would be surprised, I mean, with the lead that Tampa has, that Vasilevsky even plays those two games. So keep an eye out for that. If um, And if, if he does, can, he'll probably play one of them. If you can bite on like a Louis Domingue for the rest of the season, when when uh, eventually they do clinch and they start sitting Vazzy, that, you'll, that's be, you'll be prime, yeah. You'll be prime. You'll be ready in line, having that person that's going to get all those starts. All right. Okay. Start me on week one. So week one, like we were saying, starting March, starting March eleventh, there are two teams that only have two games, then a whole bunch that have four. So your teams that have two games are the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Your team teams with four games. Wow. Your teams with four games: Anaheim, Arizona. Buffalo, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philly, Pittsburgh, San Jose, St. Louis, and Toronto. Whew, that was a mouthful. Chances are you're not going to have huge problems setting your lineups on those heavy days. Those heavy days are Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Your teams that play four games, most likely they're going to play a lot of those games. So you're going to have points on your bench. I fucking hate points on the bench. Big time. 
I hate it. Like, uh, it's, it's one of the worst things. Cause then you just think to yourself, Oh, well, if I would have only had the foresight to play fucking Colton Sissons instead of John Tavares, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Like the, those little things where it's like, why would anybody ever do that? And then Colton Sissons will come out and score fucking two goals. Yeah. You know? So for that first week in the playoffs, I personally like Edmonton's schedule, uh, especially considering three of their four games are all played on off nights. And on top of the fact that they play on Sunday, TJ, I love my Sunday. Love my Sunday games. Fucking Sunday saviors are the shit. You need them, man. Uh, So Edmonton plays on that, that first Sunday for the first week of the playoffs. I need that shit in my life. So they start off with the Rangers and the Devil uh, Devils at home on Monday and Wednesday. Both of these teams are towards the bottom of the league on goals against New York Rangers. They're ninth, and the New Jersey Devils are sixth. So that means they're given the sixth most goals up. We've already talked about like Lucic in the past being a possible player to target, just because he's in that top six role. It looks like he's definitely going to stay there. But I also like Jesse Pujarvi. Uh, he's currently playing with McDavid and RNH and is on the first line, also on the second power play unit. But you may not get as much from him on goals. You're going to get a lot more assists, especially when he's playing with somebody like McDavid and RNH. They are the goal scorers. But I'm fine. You get me an assist per game, do it up, man. I want you on my team. I, I don't I don't care about uh if you can't get me all the goals in the world, that's fine with me. But uh but I definitely want those assists as well. And he's also really widely available. So he's only about 2% owned in both Yahoo and ESPN, which means he is out there. You can get him that week one. He is worth picking up for that week. Now, I'm not saying go out and get him now. Yeah, you don't want to hang on to him that long. If you're looking to pick up somebody for that whole week, Jesse Pugliarvi is the guy uh, Guy to do so. I think so. If you were to pick up somebody like Alex Chason, would you... I mean, he's had stretches in the past where he's been relevant to, like, really good. Um, when he's been on that top line. He's in the top six right now. He's been a staple on that top power play for a long time. This is somebody, to me, I could see hanging on to purely for this. And, I mean, just enjoying the ride while it happens. Right now, he's on the second line with Lou Cheech and RNH. And we've talked about it a hundred times. Like, these Edmonton lines, they change all yeah, the time. Yeah, they change all the fucking time. At practice today, they had Reader, McDavid, and Dreisaitl, Lou Cheech, RNH, and Chason. Uh, fucking Brad Malone, Cal Brodzak, and Zach Cassian. And yes, a Pugliarvi on the fourth line with Colby Cave and Zhuzhar Kyra. So, I mean, that's probably going to change tomorrow. And then th- that's just something. And then I it'll change again tomorrow afternoon. Uh, that's something that I don't like about Edmonton's lineup, but the consistency of Chase on, on the top power play, I definitely like that. I like Alex Chase on. I, I could definitely see that. Um, in general, I like the Edmonton Oilers. Week one of the playoffs. Yeah, that that's really that's really the basis of where I'm going. So you definitely got to avoid uh, teams like Vegas and the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, I mean, and I definitely don't like the Kings for that first week of the playoffs. I mean, we've talked extensively this episode about the Kings, about how they're not performing, how they may be trading their longtime goalie. All of those things just all factor into this thing. And then they only have two games the first week of the playoffs. No thanks. I mean, you're pretty much hanging on to your your main guys that you can't drop. You know what I mean? They're both against Nashville, and they're both on heavy days, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what? 
What a shit. So they're not going to be they're not going to be scoring a lot of goals. They'll get shut out twice. I I actually I thought that was funny. I actually laughed the first time I saw that. I was like, oh my god. So yeah, they have two automatic fucking losses. That's that's another reason to get rid of Kopitar, at least, I think. I mean, that ties perfectly in with getting rid of Kopitar. I mean, I could... Don't drop him, but yeah, it, it definitely ties in with fucking trading him. Trade the shit out of Kopitar. Do it. Get rid of him. Get something for him. Because uh, he is not going to be helping you in the playoffs. Especially because, in all honesty, it's not like he... Uh, um, he has a lot of games until the third week of the playoffs. And if he's not helping you get to the finals, his four games that last week aren't really going to fucking help you. But at least um, their second game is, is winnable at least. I mean, they're playing Florida. They're ranked uh, fourth in most goals against, and you got to think um, they're top 10 in goals scored per game. They're not going to win it. So like a Jonathan quick is going to fucking suck. But if you could, I mean, if there's anybody left on, LA to stream like yeah you got to drop your Tyler to Foley's even a Jeff Carter fuck I wouldn't even hold on to him I'm not thrilled about the Kings that's just me yeah uh, I pretty much you're holding on to Drew Doughty no other defenseman you're holding on to Andre Kopitar and maybe no other fucking forward yeah I mean even Dustin Brown and uh Jeff Carter like I was saying Ilya Kovalchuk like if if it's getting down to the second half of the week and it looks like you are fucked and you're losing like these guys are going to be the ones on the short leash. Exactly. If you can't help me get to the finals, then I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. the time. It's like I get fucking drop crazy. Take your I, chances I, with the waiver wire. I will drop fucking anybody in the playoffs just to make it to the next fucking round. Unless you're a keeper, you're not safe. And in, in yeah. our league, we only have three keepers. So, I mean, it's a yeah, pretty big, so uh, don't get it twisted. Window. I will fucking drop anyone. I don't care. I just want to win. Need Shut to get as far as I can. Okay, right, so two, yeah, let's move on to week two. So week two is starting March 18th. Again, you have two uh, two teams that have two games, and you have uh, quite a few, not as many, that have four. So your teams with two uh, two games are Buffalo and the New York Rangers. So, so the New York Rangers just had a um, a week where they had four games. Now they only have two, but they actually are sandwiched. So in the finals, they have four they have four games again. So oh, you're like, going from four games in week one, two games in week two, four games in week three. So it's it's kind of something a little different about uh the Rangers. It's not preferable, but it's not horrible. So it looks like Arizona has eight games in the first two weeks, as far as what I can see. Yeah, so Arizona is definitely a team that you're looking for in those first couple of weeks of the playoffs. Along with Arizona, you have Carolina, Chicago, Colorado, Montreal, New York Islanders, who also have eight games in the first two weeks. Yeah. Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Vancouver, Washington, and Winnipeg. So it looks like Arizona, the Islanders, and Philly in the first two weeks have eight games. Yeah. And that that's a big that's a big fucking deal. And then in week in the fucking finals I'll see you later, bitch. So then, all right, so week three, I'm just looking ahead here. Um, Arizona doesn't have two games, and they don't have four games, so I'm putting them at three. Philly has three, and the Islanders have three. So that's going to be 11 games in three weeks for both all three of those teams. So, so yeah, yeah. That, that's a pretty that's a pretty damn solid playoff, uh, playoff sequence that you've yeah. got going on. I like it. 
Okay, so your heavy days for that week two matchup that uh, hopefully you're going to have. I know I plan on it. TJ is not. TJ is not going to make the playoffs. Fingers crossed. TJ is not going to make the playoffs. So he won't have to worry about any of this shit. You know what I mean? He can just take a couple weeks off. It'll be nice. You can learn how to go golfing. Learn to golf in those those couple of weeks. Um, so your so your heavy days are Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Again, it it happens like that often. Like usual, I'm looking for those off days. I'm looking for those Sundays. Me personally, I like the Capitals in the second week of the playoffs. Um, the only heavy day that they do play on is Tuesday, and um, they play against a Devils team that is just visibly lost, as far as I'm concerned. They're yeah, they just visibly lost and kind of limping towards the end of the season. They're going Maybe. for that pick, man. They they brought Corey Schneider back up and sent Mackenzie Blackwood down. They don't give a fuck this year anymore. And on on top of the fact that okay, when Taylor Hall is healthy, do you put him out there? I don't. I don't. Season's over. You're trying. You're trying to get that top pick. I'm not putting Taylor Hall out there. So I mean, if I'm a Taylor Hall owner, I'm fucking pissed. Don't get me wrong. But if I am the owner of the New Jersey Devils, I'm not putting my fucking star out there just just for nothing. Thanks, thanks for your help, Taylor. We're going to go out and we're going to get them next year. That's what I would say. Okay, so they play against the Devils on Tuesday. They're towards the bottom of the league in every major category you can pretty much possibly imagine. And then they play a tough Tampa uh, Tampa Bay team on Wednesday. That's an odd one because you could think, oh, well, why would you want a team that's playing against Tampa? Well, because they always bring their best against each other. Tampa has this this thing where they'll play these good teams but they're like fucking like five to four games and stuff like that. Like they are fun games to watch. Yeah. The fucking Capitals are going to be in playoff mode and they are going to be bringing it to Tampa. At least I would think so. So I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. And then they finish the week off uh, for two more games. They got Friday against Minnesota, who could pose a threat, but Dubnik is certainly capable of letting games get away from him, which we've definitely seen, even though he was an all-star. But believe me, that th- that guy can let things get away real quick. Oh, yeah. Like zero out of one stops, kind of <laughs> real quick. Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> Fucking hate that shit. And then to finish off the week, on Sunday, they play Philadelphia. I don't think I need to tell you about how good of a matchup that is for the Caps. But then again, Carter. Philly, Philly is kind of coming on at the end of the year. They could maybe be trying to play spoiler. But still, I like the Capitals in that game. I like the Capitals in that week. And if I have to pick somebody up from the Capitals, I'm going with Jake Verona. You know how I feel about Jake Verona. He's only 14% owned in Yahoo, 12% owned in ESPN. So he is super available. Why Why is he this low, low owned? I don't get it. Um, he's solidly slotted into the second line, who no matter who he's playing with, He's yeah, going to be good. More Kuznetsov. You know what I mean? Sometimes he's playing with Backstrom. Sometimes he's playing with Kuznetsov. Sometimes he's playing with fucking TJ Oshie. It like sometimes he's playing with uh, with Tom Wilson. Like it's he's always switching around to great players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like he's he's not going to go down to the third or fourth line, and he's producing. Who are you, who are you dropping if you're picking up somebody like Jake Rana? Okay, if I'm going to drop somebody, I want to drop somebody from the Rangers to the Sabers. I don't know about you, but but that would be me. Uh, uh, and I'm and I'm thinking and I'm thinking of one of those uh those lower level guys. I'm thinking about a Neil Pionk. I'm thinking about a Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> All right, 
I can I can drop Neil Pionk. I can drop Kevin Shattenkirk and pick up Verona, who I think is – who do you think is going to get more points that week? Well, Neil Pionk, Pionk just got scratched tonight. So, I mean, even him, between him and Kevin Shattenkirk, I'm going Verona every day. Exactly. He's taken uh, He's taken around three shots per game. He's scoring. He's making it worth his while. And a lot of these goals that he's getting are, are on the five-on-five. He is on the second power play, so he has the possibility to get you power play points, even though that second power play isn't even close to what the first power play is. But I'm taking Jakob Verona, dude, all fucking day long. And I'm dropping somebody from somebody from the Rangers. I'm dropping somebody from the from Buffalo. All right. I so mean, championship week. Who am I picking up to beat Chucky? I get like the shivers talking about championship week. I'm 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 ready to be there. Like I really fucking want to. I think I put myself into some really good positions to take the championship this year, especially because you've been doing me a huge favor by taking out Chuck's legs one after another, and <laughs> and and since Chucky started trading, um, he went from being. Nothing but wins. He didn't lose a single week, and then all of a sudden he's fucking dropping weeks like they're like they're fucking pounds, dude. He's he's dropping them. Two teams. One of them we already kind of talked about. Tampa, Colorado. They have two games that week. So for me, Rantanen isn't really going to help me much. Now I'm not dropping Miko Rantanen. No shot. Because he's he's, he's going to be one of my keepers for Tampa. You're not dropping Stamkos. You're not dropping Kucherov. You're not dropping Braden Point. You're not dropping Vasilevsky. But maybe you could move him right now. Maybe you could move him and get something really good for him. Maybe a really good player that has four games that week. So that final week, you got Boston, Carolina, Columbus, Calgary, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, uh, Los Angeles, the Rangers, the fucking San Jose fucking Sharks, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So I don't know if you noticed, but also Carolina has eight games in those last two weeks. But then you got the piece de resistance, Buffalo with five games. I feel like oh, this man. happened last week or last year too. What, where Buffalo had five games? Yeah. I think it's I think it's funny because Tampa is going to be almost like null and void. Like, what if fucking Mikey makes it to the playoffs who's been riding, riding Tampa Bay's coattails this entire season? Oh, yeah. And for good reason. Oh, good reason. Yeah, you can't blame him. Yeah, he, he he drafted a bunch of Tampa Bay guys. Hell, they were even my pick at the beginning of the year to to win the Cup. Uh, we have uh, – that's another one of our bets. Who's going to go oh, farther, Tampa or Winnipeg? I don't think – and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, but there's no one worth picking up off Buffalo. Like Connor Sherry, yeah, he's been on a little hot streak now. Or, you know, Casey Middlestad, if you want to waste an acquisition, the the big guys are their owned. It's Jeff Skinner, Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel. So I guess what you would want to do is make a trade for those types of guys, which you did last week. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a, a definite thing you could do. Um, I shot I shot for the moon. I went after Jack Eichel. Um, I got him, and I specifically got him for the finals. If I don't make it, then it's going to blow up in my face. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't have a great playoff schedule for the first two weeks. 
And I don't see Nashville's name on any of these, so they must be three games, three games, three games. You also don't see a team like Toronto, who um, I've been who I've been writing. They got four games in that uh, that first week. You were saying. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the that team like Nashville, you you were able to get Jack Eichel and Victor Arvidsson. Um, so I mean, that's not a bad way to go. So, yeah, so you know Nashville is going to have the games. But, yeah, so like I was saying, it could blow up in my face if I don't make the finals, um, especially because I don't plan on having him as a keeper. So it could just be all for naught. You know what I mean? It could be for nothing. But if there was somebody else from that team that I would be trying to trade for, um, chances are Jeff Skinner, the price is going to be too high. I don't think I would want to trade for Jeff Skinner because – I like Jack Eichel better than I like Jeff Skinner. If I'm going to give up something, it's going to be for Jack Eichel. It's not going to be for Skinner. Um, Sam Reinhart has a much lower price. Still plays with both of them. I think Sam Reinhart is a good person to go after. He's good um, guy, I don't, for sure. Yeah, I don't think that his price tag is going to be too high. Um, and I think you could, you could maximize um, what you're doing in that finals week. Apart from either... Any of those guys in that top line, I agree with you. I really don't know who you might want to trade for <clears throat> other than maybe a Rasmus Ristolainen, possibly if Rasmus, Rasmus Dahlin is out there on your wire waiver, you could pick him up, or even like a Jason Pominville, but that's about it. Um, Kyle Ocposo doesn't do enough for me. Um, he can score a goal every fucking now and then, but it's every now and then. And he really doesn't shoot that much. He really doesn't throw his body around that much. So other than those top guys, I would say go out, try to trade for one of those top guys in in Buffalo, and that's Eichel and Reinhardt for me. I'm going to stay away from Skinner. And like we were saying about Jeff Skinner before, man, he he is just not going to keep this type of uh, not keep this type of performance up for the rest of the year. Yeah, so, I mean, you might be paying a little too high when it comes to Skinner, but guys like Eichel, you know those guys are going to be tried and true. Just knock on wood that he doesn't get um, that yearly injury that we always think is on the way. And Sam Reinhardt, yeah, if you want, like, um, what, 60, 65-point kind of guy uh, with five games in the finals, yeah, that's the guy you should be making moves for. Okay, so that being said, um, if I had to pick another guy out of those group of teams, I'm going to throw you a curveball here, TJ. I'll throw you a little bit of a curveball. What do you think about Derek Broussard? He's, right, coming, yeah. he's, coming, he's coming from Pittsburgh. He's going to a place where I think will play well for him um, in Florida. And he's playing with Mike Hoffman and Vincent Trocek. That's never a bad type of thing to do. That sounds pretty goddamn good. Now he's 27% owned in, in ESPN, which is a little more than I usually like to throw out for these kind of things, but he's only 5% owned in Yahoo. Hmm. Oh, is, well, that's that's got to do a lot with his center, and he's probably going to be getting wing eligibility pretty soon. He He's he's going to be on the, uh, the right wing most likely because you're going to have Vincent Trocek in the center. Yeah. I mean, you, you just start. Um, they got, now, they got four he, games that week. They're going to play uh, Toronto on monday and then they got three of those heavy days in montreal ottawa and boston so that's not exactly a bad it's not a bad schedule yeah and you're you're very at least gonna get those four games so like i said if i had to pick up somebody else um i do kind of like Derek brassard now i know that is a little more of a flyer 
Um, but I think he's in a good position, and I like who he plays with. I think it's pretty. I, I think it's pretty solid. I'll think about it. I know that. I like to take a lot of my own advice. I don't know. I take it day by day because, like you said, I'm uh, I'm not nailed into the playoffs yet, so I'm still fighting. But I'll I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. Well, I'm actually uh, luckily for me, I have the luxury of making moves ahead of time, which yeah. is a pretty decent luxury to have. I just need uh, Chuck to keep losing, and then maybe I don't even have to worry about that first week. Trying to get that fucking buy. I was there, and it was the weirdest thing. I had to fucking, uh, I was like nine and seven with a bye week. I was really hoping to keep that going because it pissed you off so much. And that was yeah, that was better than winning the championship. Because you're nine and seven, and you were at the top of your fucking side of the league, and I'm sitting there at like fucking what twelve and four, and I'm in second yeah. place. You know what I mean? Just something gross. Just something gross. Like it's just, oh, man. it sucked. Uh, I I don't really like that. And I mean, hell, even now, I mean, Toby's in in first place on on your side, and so you're just getting a fucking bye week for being just over five hundred. Way to go, bro. Well, we're in the West. That's how it goes. All right, man. What do you say we wrap this one up? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. Well, as far as bonus episodes go, I I think uh, I'm really hoping that you guys enjoyed this one. We're talking a little. Second half kind of stuff. Um, we're going to be back hopefully on Sunday. A um, couple weeks from now, I'm headed to Montreal. So I guess we're going to have to figure that one out. Um, if I'm going to do like a remote Montreal um, episode, we're going to a uh, Canadians Columbus game. That should be pretty interesting. Going to put Vicky on the episode? Yeah, maybe. I mean, she'll be right there or maybe she'll take a nap. Who knows? But uh, yeah, she could like, at the very least, I'll have her do the intro or something. She got a sexy voice. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. As always, you guys can hit us up at FHF Hockey on Twitter if you guys have lineup questions, trade advice. Uh, you need some more uh, different kinds of playoff planning because I know ours is a little bit specific and maybe yours is uh, two-week matchups, et cetera, et cetera. Feel free to hit us up. We'll do our best to get back to you as soon as possible. In the meantime, leave us a review on iTunes. We always dig it. And uh, as always, we love you. Love you.